Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today, sir? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to alarm you, but uh, actually sitting across from me right now is is not, in fact, uh, Alan. I'm not sure who, not. This, who this gentleman is. Yep. He's uh, He's got uh, some fancy FBI uh, blue blocker jacket and yeah. uh, got the, some some shades there that look very intimidating. So I don't want to make him mad or anything. But official wait, FBI. Wait a minute. Yeah. Alan, is that you? It is. Oh, my gosh. Whew. I know. I, I look like Burt Macklin, that son of a bitch. But yeah. it's not. It's Alan. actually, it's dressed like your favorite Parks and Rec character today. <laughs> yeah, here at LFP Worldwide Headquarters. You didn't get the memo? I, I look more like Jerry anyway, so I'm going to probably go with that. Um, at least he's in this episode. Alan of the Round Table. Yeah. That's you. You you numbskull. You're trying to disguise yourself. I'm doing good. I'm having a good morning, uh, uh, you know, dressed as Jerry, uh, even by default. Um, how are you? I'm great. I, I'm, I'm celebrating the return of Burt Macklin today. I yeah. can't, can't argue that at all. It, it's hard not to celebrate that, as a matter of fact. You know, yep. we're, we're doing that because today we're covering season five, episode 22, Are You Better Off? The season finale. finale. Yeah. Or the ultimate episode. Because last week was penultimate. Episode. So that makes this the ultimate. Right, right. Or, Meaning last, last, not necessarily most fantastic, but we'll see. You know what? That's true. And this is what I was saying about English last week. Yeah. One word can mean nine different things. Yeah. No wonder it's hard. For, well, I actually, I don't know why I'm good at it. Yeah. I'm not actually. Yeah. It, just one thing is enough. <laughs> Agreed. Out loud. Yeah. 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 So, hey, Mark, this episode first aired on May 2nd, 2013. Yep. And uh, as I mentioned, this is, uh, we said this is the season finale. Uh, basically, this follows a one hour office episode. I think it was the third to last episode that week. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, had the lead in for Hannibal again. So interesting to put that in context and think about, you know, there were probably going to be three more office episodes, but Parks and Rec's done for the season. Wow. Interesting. And, and, and in that lineup, in the spirit of what you're going through. Yeah. So in that lineup, we haven't had community in a while. Uh, I believe that's true. Actually, this week, I think maybe we did. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so we go into our way, way, way back machine. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because that, that, that whole NBC Thursday night lineup, you know, had been like king for a long time, especially when Parks was like in its third and fourth season. Right. By now, not so much. Hmm. So, but- I think we still got a really good Parks Rec episode, to Parks and Rec episode to talk through today. How about you? Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, we'll see. I don't know. Well, I, I don't want. I don't want to give anything yeah, away. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe, that's right. Maybe, maybe it could suck. I don't know. Mark, this episode was directed by Dean Holland and uh, written by Mike Schur. The the power combo, as I like to call them. Yeah, we yeah. know and like both of them. We do. Yeah, and they did quite a few episodes together. In fact, I think some of my favorites, perhaps. But Dean was their most prolific director. He did twenty seven total episodes. Mm -hmm. He's a, quite a bit more than halfway done at this point. He's got a few more to go. He was a producer on 124 episodes and is actually an editor on 28, which is interesting to me because if you look at his history, how he kind of got into the biz, he started off as an editor very early and was act, in fact an editor on The Office, speaking mm. of The Office. Interesting. Yeah. So, And of course, Mike, sure, we know that guy. So. Of course. But this, uh, from a writing perspective, this is Mike's 11th of 15 that he was ultimately given the uh, the writer credit for. Right. The yeah. golden pen. The golden pen. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. All right, Mark. Well, why don't we get into our synopsises? All right. Thank you for using the correct English term. Synopsises incoming. I, I split this sucker into three stories. Oh, Apparently, right. it's correct. Yeah, I win. I was going to say nine, but yeah. 
No, it's three. You, you big goo. Macklin, you son of a bitch. You son um, of a... All right. So my A story I have is entitled, Say Nope to the Recall. That's kind of a gimme. All right. Kind of like it. Founders Week is a yearly celebration of all things Pawnee, and to prepare themselves for the momentous day, Leslie brings her entire staff to Ron's cabin in the woods for a brainstorming session. Saw that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Says good. Uh, has Thor in it. As Leslie encourages everyone to focus and rid themselves of distractions, Tom is apparently still dealing with the uh, train wreck that is his girlfriend. And she is a train wreck. I wish they'd broken up, but apparently they didn't or whatever. Leslie is uh, then hosting a little bit later a, a Founders Week public forum to help celebrate her first year in office as a Pawnee City Councilwoman. And to kick things off, Leslie asked the question, are you better off now than you were a year ago? Immediately, however, there is hostility afoot. Pawnee Restaurant Association spokeswoman Catherine Pinewood, we know Boo. her. She speaks up against many of Leslie's changes, which she feels restricts citizens' basic personal freedoms. Or, you know, maybe because the Pawnee Restaurant Association is mad about the soda tax, because remember that. that that's I do, yeah. Can have a 512-ounce child-sized cup? Redonkulous. Many more end up standing up. It's not just Catherine, apparently. Many more end up standing up against Leslie, and overall, the form doesn't go real well. Mm. Leslie finds the Founders Week parade to be a perfect distraction from the drama surrounding her humiliating form. What will happen? Are there any Pawnee citizens that are pro-Leslie, or are they all against her? Will the parade go smoothly for Leslie, or will there be a twist? How many Lurpuses are in this episode? <laughs> Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Uh, I had the same A story, of course, and uh, mine, my AKA, my title for it was Mission Not Accomplished. Mm, yeah. that, that's good. Yeah. That's good. All right. B story. I completely phoned in the title. The title's Who's Pregnant? That's, <laughs> hey. That's it. Sometimes getting straight to the point's good. Yes, most Swansons agree. <laughs> um, so hopefully you can pick up the slack there. That's right. Anyway, while searching through the trash for a sweatshirt at Ron's cabin, Andy comes across a positive pregnancy test, which <gasps> propels him to reassume his alter ego as Burt Macklin, FBI. That son of a bitch. That son of a bitch. There, there were five women at Ron's cabin over the weekend, and Andy vows to figure out which one of the five women is pregnant. Mm -hmm. And conf Andy confronts Anne first, but it's not her. She is a little annoyed, actually, that someone else had the nerve. Yeah. She's trying. How dare they? Yeah. And so and, uh, Special Agent Perkins uh, tries to hop on board as <laughs> uh, as Macklin's uh, partner, the son of a bitch. And then so the two of them now set out to find the woman behind the test. Um, Andy and Anne end up ruling out Donna and Leslie. And I think Andy's assuming that it's not April because she would tell him. She would have told him. Leaving only... Mona Lisa. Oh boy. How will this turn out? Is this actually Burt Macklin or is he back from the dead as some sort of zombie Macklin? Um, <laughs> will special agent Perkins make a good partner for Macklin or is he truly a lone wolf? Is Mona Lisa pregnant? And if so, 
What has Tom done to humanity? <laughs> Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. My uh, my B story was titled, uh, If You Can't Be Positive, Pee Positive. See, that's so much better than who's pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Nicely done. I heard you were phoning again in this week, I so I tried totally to was. take up the slack. I totally was. Harvey, did you tell him I was phoning it in this oh, week? Oh, Harvey's here today? Yeah, he's here. Okay. Big grumble guts. All right. So my C story, um, boy, I phoned this in as well. Rent a swag buyout. Do something with that. <laughs> I got one. It's good. I'm so <laughs> glad you're here. All right. Business is booming at Rent Swag, and a lawyer representing an anonymous client approaches Tom about buying his company. It's got a sexy voice, that guy. <laughs> Tom reports back to his investors, Donna, April, Jerry, and Ron, about the opportunity. And Donna is all over the idea, but Ron thinks Tom should continue growing his business as he's clearly doing something right if he's being offered to sell. What will happen? Will Tom sell out? Who is the mystery client? <laughs> Hang in there, true believers only. Time will tell, dot, dot, dot. Very nice job, Mark. Uh, so uh, I'll see if this will bail you out. Here's my C story. Yeah. Did he? Or don't he? Oh, nice. Well done, thank sir. You. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. We had uh, Harvey wrote those for me this week. That's why they're good. Alan, you're going to be my MVP for this episode. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Great. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. dot, dot. dot. Yeah. Well, hey, Mark, uh, I, let's do that AKA thing and then we'll get into our breakdown. Now, yes, What was your overall AKA for the week? My overall AKA is I was so giddy at the return of one Burt Macklin FBI. Oh, yeah. And there are lots and lots and lots and lots of funny yeah. moments. But one that really stood out to me was when he was first interrogating Anne. And her response to him was, oh, boy, what do you want, Macklin? Like, didn't even bother to say Andy. <laughs> she knows that he is so far He's in, in character, his, his yeah. bizarre Andy alter ego fantasy. She just uh, uh, cuts through the haze and goes, what do you want, Macklin? I already know where this is going. What That's do you terrific. want? terrific. It was well written too. Yeah. And Rashida did a good job with that too. Yep. How about you? Uh, mine is actually from Mona Lisa. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because I was a little annoyed with her last week, but you know, I I think maybe we had a better dose of her this week, and uh, got a little bit of distance from a last little distance from last week. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, she's, uh, you know, th we believe, and we'll talk about it here in a minute. She may be pregnant. And she isn't so sure because she says she's on so many drugs that she says, there's no way I could be pregnant with a human baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she had to specify human. That just cracked me up. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> That's funny. Well, Mark, hey, let's get into our breakdown. All right. Break it down. Break it down. So yeah, we start out with uh, our cold open as always. It's probably about mid-size. It's uh, a little bit over a minute, close to a minute and a half. And it takes place, uh, believe it or not, at the Swanson cabin, except this time its geolocation is definitely disclosed oh, as the, the rest of the gang is there so they can all apparently brainstorm about Founders Week and what they can do to celebrate it. Hey, Harvey, start us off, my good man. Play this clip. Hey everyone, look in your folders. You will find information about Founders Week. And before we start brainstorming, I just want to thank Ron for lending us his cabin. Lending makes it sound like I had a choice in the matter. I never <laughs> should have agreed to this or let you know that I have a cabin or gotten to know any of you. Back. That's the spirit. Rawr. Founders Week is a yearly celebration of all things Pawnee. 
We've got a pie-eating contest, a giant petting zoo, and the granddaddy of them all, the Founders Week Parade. I don't want to overhype it, but our parade makes the Rose Bowl Parade look like a turds on wheels convention. <laughs> Let's do an exercise. April, what makes Pawnee the best city in the world? Easy. Most murders per capita. The guillotine was invented here. City Hall is run by the Walrus Mafia. <laughs> Donna, help me out. What makes Pawnee so great? Cost of living is cheap. In about three years, I will have saved enough to pay off my condo in Seattle. You have a condo in Seattle? Yes, I like the rain and the fish markets. Guys, we need to focus. <laughs> I want this to be the best Founders Week ever, okay? No more distractions. I'm bored. Oh, let's go have sex in a tree. He'll be back in eight minutes. Why did you have to bring her here? I don't really have any power in this relationship. I'll think of ideas in the tree. Anyone's welcome to join us in the tree. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about the tree. No, I don't want to talk about the tree either. Hopefully it's really far away and we can't see it from Ron's cabin. Yeah. Oh boy. Which cabin are we at? Is this the cabin number two or cabin number three? I can never tell anymore. Uh, I, I, I saw that uh, it had a, a placard next to the door that had the number Nunyer. Nunyer? Yeah. <laughs> it's that cabin. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, we kick off the main episode in the bullpen. April has just gotten a mysterious phone call and Andy is hot on the trail of yet another mystery. We cut to the bullpen where we see Anne and Donna sitting at the central circular table with April at her desk talking on the phone to someone, but we don't know who, apparently getting some news, but we don't know what. She hangs up and looks somewhat distracted, at least enough so for Donna to notice and ask her if she's okay. And we then see Andy enter, asking if everybody is feeling normal, <laughs> while oddly poking his head very very closely, first to Donna and then Anne. They're kind of annoyed at him, almost as if he suspects something. And then we are treated to a lengthy Andy talking head in which he tells us, A, while looking for a sweatshirt at Ron's cabin, he found in the trash a positive pregnancy test. B, therefore, one of the five women who are at the cabin, Leslie, Anne, Donna, Mona Lisa, April, is pregnant. C, he doesn't believe it's April because she would have told him, narrowing the suspect down from five to four. D, to ferret out the rest of the information, there's only one man for the job. <laughs> yes, they said he was retired. Yes, they said he was too dangerous for the Pawnee Police <laughs> Department. But he's back, baby. Bert Macklin, FBI. I love it. Yeah. I love the too dangerous for the Pawnee Police Department. <laughs> too something. Yeah. Uh, danger was the word. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He pooched the brain exam. He really did. <laughs> He did find a sweatshirt in the trash, though, so that was the good news. Yes, he did. Well, Mark, as Bert begins his investigation, we hop over to a local, what looks like probably a public school, where Leslie is honoring Founders Day with a new public forum. That's right. We now cut to a Founders Week public forum that Leslie is hosting to help celebrate her first year in office as a Pawnee City Councilwoman. To kick things off, Leslie asked the audience to consider this question. Are you better off now than you were a year ago? Unfortunately for Leslie, the first person to stand up is none other than Catherine Pinewood of the Pawnee Restaurant Association. Boo! Who proceeds to speak out against many of Leslie's changes, which, according to her at least, restrict basic personal freedoms of Pawnee citizens. At first, Leslie hopes it's just Catherine Pinewood representing a sort of lunatic fringe, and then several other people stand up to join her. 
Uh, that's not good. That's not going to turn out good. No. Well, yeah, Leslie thought this was uh, starting off as a banner year. I guess we will now see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of banner years, Mark, we now hop over to Rent-A-Swag, where things appear to be going really well for Tom, in fact. In fact, maybe a little too well. Yeah, we cut over to Rent-A-Swag and we see Tom interacting with and helping several of his younger customers. Apparently, things are going, as you said, really, really well. Hey, Harvey, play the clip, please. Whoa, Darren, slow down. That sweatsuit's not for sweating in, okay? This is crushed velvet. If you go up more than a brisk walk, it will fall apart. This looks dope. Let's pay for it. Business is booming. If it keeps up like this, I could leave the parts department and do rent-a-swag full-time. Maybe even expand. I could add a baby section over there, call it a little swaggers. I could add some old people stuff, call it rent-a-sag. <laughs> no, old people are gross. <laughs> oh, nice. Hey, ding-dong. Can I go home? My tum-tum feels gross, and also, I hate working. I guess, but find someone to cover for you, okay? Because we're really busy right now. <laughs> also, a lawyer guy called you. Ooh. He sounded really sexy on the phone, and I was very into that. Like, I was, like, very into that. All right, let's set up some boundaries <laughs> on what's cool for you to say to me, okay? Okay, I Frenched my cousin one time. Oh, that's gross. I might still be in love with him. Oh. Please leave. All right, bye. Bye. Hmm. Tom Haverford, my name is Trevor Nelson. I represent a client who would like to make you an offer. Babyface heard my demo? I will accept a record deal. No, you deeply misunderstand. My client has taken an interest in Rent-A-Swag. He'd like to know if you are looking to sell a controlling interest in the store. Whoa. Diddy wants to buy Rent-A-Swag? That's what I said. This is a lot to process. Will Diddy be coming to the meeting? I'm not at liberty to tell you who my client is. It would violate confidentiality. I understand. It's not Diddy. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. I think he thinks it's Diddy. Yeah, yeah. That was weird that Mona Lisa had to go home because her tum-tum was upset. She's rubbing like her, like, not her tum-tum. That was weird. Like, she didn't <laughs> yeah. know where her tummy is. Yeah, she's not a biology major. What she do you expect? Clearly not. Bye. <laughs> 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 well, back at City Hall and Anne's office, Agent Macklin is on the case, but he appears to have confused questions and statements. Mark, how does he sort this out? <sighs> Let's find out dot, dot, dot. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> we cut to City Hall now and we see one Burt Macklin FBI stalking Ms. Ann Perkins before he sneaks into her office to... Uh, um, surprise her, ambush her, interrogate her, whatever it takes, Bob. Unfortunately for Macklin, Anne confirms she is not, repeat, not pregnant. And in fact, someone else ending up pregnant while she's actively, actively trying to get pregnant is frustrating and upsetting. So wanting to find out who the heck it is, Anne convinces Macklin to let her team up with him on the case. He's a lone wolf. I don't know how that's going to turn out. <laughs> also, might point out for those keeping track at home, with Anne confirming rather angrily that she is not pregnant, that reduces the suspect pool down from four to three. Mm. And then there were none. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's that thing. Yeah, there are three now. There are down to three. Yeah. Well, Mark, back at the public forum, Ben comes to Leslie's defense. Mm. And Leslie does a pretty good job of making her own case. But Leslie's foil, Catherine Pinewood, has other ideas. Yeah, she sure does. Yeah, so we're back at the Founders Week public forum. And uh, Ben and Chris and Leslie all provide, I think, pretty well thought out and delivered counterpoints to Catherine Pinewood's arguments. 
Specifically, Leslie's public health initiative has actually been a huge success, resulting in Pawnee going from fourth most obese city in America to ninth. Which That's is, huge. Which is huge, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, but Catherine Pinewood returns fire by asking, well, where does it end? For example... Uh, Leslie is also attacking the Sweetum school lunch program. I mean, sure, they made an argument that napkins are a vegetable, but hey, the school board... Comes from plants. They are made of plants. The school board freaking approved it, so stop restricting our freedoms. Uh, As crazy as some of these arguments might seem to Leslie, actually, it seems like a sizable chunk of the crowd is behind Catherine. They're lined up at the mics. Yeah. So first we hear from uh, Deputy Dewey from from Sanitation. Sanitation, sure. Remember that guy? And... uh, I, who we first saw in uh, season five, episode 11, Women in Garbage. That's right. And uh, he complains that, you know what? You made us hire women. And now you know what we had to do? We had to turn one of our bathrooms uh, into a woman's bathroom. And now we only have one bathroom left for guys. So you're 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 stripping our freedom. What a horrible price to play for something as trivial as gender equality. Oh, so you agree. <laughs> and next we hear from Bjorn Lurpus. Of course. Who I think we first saw in season five, episode two, Soda Tax, who complains that by putting a park into the lot next to his house, it prevented a paunch burger from being put there instead, making him drive 10 minutes to get to the nearest one now. Again, Stripping him of his freedom. Well, Mark, and making him 20 minutes late for work because, you know, 10 plus 10, he he works at home. He works at home. (laughs) I don't think either of these two guys knows what stripping of freedoms really means, but they're they're labeling it as such. So does their reasoning seem crazy? Sure. Is a sizable chunk of the crowd behind them? Yeah, it seems like it. It does. Mark, we're living in an age where we've had a recent uh, rash of, uh, uh, let's just call them... uh, Podium crazinesses. Sure. Boy, was Parks and Rec on to something 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Yep. I agree. <laughs> well, over in Donna's office, the interrogations continue with Agent Perkins joining the mix. But unfortunately, Andy, I mean, uh, Bert, yeah. is still in charge. Yep. We cut to City Hall where Bert Macklin and his new partner, Special Agent Perkins, interrogate Ms. Donna Meagle about a possible pregnancy. Actually, it wasn't that intensive an interrogation. It went something like this. Anne, are you sure you're not pregnant? Donna, I'm a grown woman with a good head on her shoulders. Don't worry about me. So <laughs> Andy's crossed off. Let's go down the list. Andy's crossed off April. Yeah. And Donna, three down, two to go. I, I guess that your math is correct. Y'all. And I will say that we'll talk about deleted scenes more later, of course. I love the deleted scene version of this, and I wish they were able to keep it in. Completely agree. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. But, you know, 21 minutes, just saying. Yep. Well, Mark, back at the public forum, we continue to hear from yet more citizens, and the trend line here, just like in our B story, is not improving. Yeah, back at the Founders Week public forum, we hear from a slew of other Pawnee citizens. Although at least this time, I will say, Alan, not everyone is 100% against Leslie. True. Hey, Harvey, play the clip, please, sir. Thank you. Listen, my wife and I do not feel that we're better off than a year ago because a year ago, this town was not a horrifying sex den where people could put their body parts anywhere they want with impunity. 
And then you were elected, and now this town is a horrifying sex tin where people can put their body parts mm-hmm. anywhere they want to with impunity. Yeah. If you are referring to my fight to teach comprehensive sex education, you need to at least acknowledge the fact that STDs are down 14% from last year. And deviant behavior in Pawnee is up a billion no, billion. percent. No, this it, town is going mm. to hell in a Gucci knockoff handbag, girl. <laughs> See? They agree. Come on. I am definitely better off than I was a year ago, and it's all thanks to Leslie Nope. This See? woman single-handedly saved Dennis. my business. Thank you, Dennis. There you go. Perfect example. No need for further questions on that one. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. What's your business, sir? Oh, I run a pornographic DVD emporium. Well, it used to be a quaint little movie rental place with a lot of community value. Oh, it's much better now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie is the best. No, no, Brandy. Yes. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Brandy Max. Hi, Brandy. Star of such films as The Incredible Burt Wonderbone, A Good Guy to Lay Hard, and Argo. Huh? I had a small part in Argo. Oh. As well as the porn version, Our Goo. Oh, I know that one. I've seen the first 90 seconds. It's thrilling. <laughs> if it weren't for Leslie Hope, there would be far, far less pornography in this town. No. What happened was there was a misunderstanding, and I accidentally got the government involved in an unseemly business, but I cleared that up, and everything's fine. It's not like I'm some kind of sex-crazed maniac or something. Leslie, are you pregnant? Did you or did you not leave this positive pregnancy test in a dumpster in the woods? Oh. Hey, everybody. <laughs> No. Really? Okay. Well, I'll get out of your hair. Sorry to interrupt. Is that Brandy Max? <laughs> oh my god. Sweet stupid Andy. I guess. Yeah. I guess I guess he got away from off his leash and Ann couldn't stop him in time. Is yeah. that what happened there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, as the brutality continues at the public forum, we bounce back over to City Hall and in the courtyard, and Tom surveys all of his co-workers, you know, a.k.a. investors present, for their opinion. Well, most of them. Anyway. That's right. Back at City Hall, Tom's outside in the courtyard with his rent-a-swag investors, Ron, April, Donna, and Jerry. And Tom tells them about the anonymous buyout offer, which, if they took the offer, would roughly double their investments. They all have slightly different opinions. Donna is all for selling and enjoying the profits. Ron believes this offer indicates Tom's doing something right and should stay the course. April thinks Tom should either get a Hello Kitty tattoo or maybe burn the store for insurance money, which not real helpful. Um, Jerry tries to give his input, but is shouted down by everybody in a sudden fit of PBJ, but he's just been glad to be macked. He, he missed everybody. I miss you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you 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 can argue. You can make the argument that uh, April's plan is 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 a form of a business plan. <laughs> Burn I it down, so. get the insurance money. Maybe you can make that argument. I, well, I, I if you're considering all your options, Mark, I'm just saying be complete. I guess so. Hello Kitty tattoos one way to go. Yeah, I like that one too. Yeah. Uh, have you seen mine, <laughs> Mark? We- yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so sorry for showing that to you. For one one recording <laughs> session, I wish I could not see it. <laughs> Mark, we jump back to the A story, and thankfully the public forum is over and Founders Day is underway. As Leslie pauses for a moment to lick her wounds, metaphorically speaking, that is. Yeah, I think she could use some liquor. She's in, she's in rough shape. <laughs> she really could. Um, yeah, we're we're finally done with the Founders Week public forum, and we've now uh, moved outside to the Founders Week parade. And we see uh, Leslie and Ben and Chris kind of walking outside together. And Chris attempts to cheer Leslie up a little before departing for some sort of special role he's playing in the Mm. parade. We don't know what that's about. 
Once Chris leaves, Ben reminds Leslie, you know what? If you're going to have a life in politics, the more you accomplish, the more heat you're going to draw. It's just the nature of the beast. And Leslie's like, yeah, you're right. But, but Leslie is then ultimately a bit cheered up by two things that she admits are her vices. Sure. A, parades. Of course. B, Ben's butt. She had me at parades. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, Interrogation Central has now moved to Tom's office, and it looks as if the local Pawnee chapter of the FBI may have found their man, and through association, of course, the lady he impregnated. That's right. That's right. So we, we've eliminated April. Yeah. Anne. Yeah. Donna. Yeah. Leslie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. So back at City Hall, we see Burt Macklin, FBI, and Special Assistant Perkins interrogate Tom about the positive pregnancy test. Tom tells them he and Mona Lisa are always careful to use protection, but he's pretty sure Mona Lisa pokes holes in them. <laughs> After Anne confirms the pregnancy test is the same brand Mona Lisa uses, whoom, there it is. <laughs> I love that. I do. Tom becomes more and more convinced that, holy crap, Mona Lisa may very well be pregnant. What has he done to humanity? Nothing good. No. Good God. I saw the omen. I did too. Damien. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, everybody loves a parade, and this Founders Day parade has a float for literally everything, including businesses, farm clubs, and floats designed to destroy political figures, and even those who want to legalize weed. Oh, wait. I think those last two are on the same float. Yeah, that's a cheater combo float. Um, (laughs) It is. So, yeah, back at the Founders Week parade, Leslie is determined to enjoy herself and get her mind off of her troubles. And hey, Harvey, play this clip, please. Thank you. This is the perfect thing to take my mind off of yesterday. I'm going to pretend that this is my victory parade and the town is celebrating my hard work and dedication. There you go. (laughs) Leslie, Leslie, I'm so sorry. I need to talk to you. What? Or what? I'm the nipple king. (laughs) Houston's <laughs> rubber nipple company elects a nipple king and a nipple queen every year to ride on the float. Oh. Congratulations, Chris. Thank you. It's such an amazing honor. It's wonderful. But I do need to talk to you about a float that is in this parade because I'm not sure no that you're going to be... You. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No fun for you. Is that me? Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's Kate Upton. Oh, thank you. No, it's me. And damn them. Hey! Hey! No hey, hey. I stopped you. parade or anything, but I just have to say something here, okay? I don't think this is very fair. Babe, babe, stop wagging your finger. Certain people are lashing out at me because of things that I did this year, but I am not trying to stop you from having fun. I am an extremely fun person. (laughs) This float represents a group of over 300 business owners, individuals, and community leaders who are protesting unfair government regulation. We are the committee to recall Leslie Nope. Let's kick her out of office. Recall Nope. Recall oh, Nope. Oh, wait. Recall Nope. Recall Nope. Recall that was a, there was a little visual component that you probably could suss out, but this float had like a giant <laughs> robot, Leslie. Oh my God. It was a pretty decent likeness, it's actually. It's pretty good. And it's yeah. just sitting there and it's waving its arm back and forth. It's no like, fun for it was you. It wagging its finger at them. Yeah, it's wagging yeah. its fingers saying, no fun for you. 
And then it becomes a recall no and legalized weed. And of course, Leslie gets up there and wags her finger at them and it's not a good visual. But but funny. But funny. Yeah, (laughs) very true. Well, from there, we jump over to Renta's wagon. Tom is about to confront Mona Lisa and offer to step up and do the right thing. Yeah, we now cut to Renta Swag, where Tom is sitting with Mona Lisa and, unfortunately, John Ralphio as well, uh, with Anne and Andy staying a, standing a little bit apart looking on. Tom point-blank asks Mona Lisa if the positive pregnancy test is hers. And after a pause, Mona Lisa confirms that, yeah, the test is hers. John Ralphio freaks out. Out. Clemony Snicket. Clearly not ready for the awesome responsibility of becoming an uncle. And Tom is concerned too, but wants to sort this out and talk about their future. And he's like, he's wondering, oh gosh, should I sell the business or can put a down payment on the house? When all of a sudden, Mona Lisa proudly proclaims, it's a yeek. Then <laughs> Mona Lisa and John Ralphio erupt into a fit of obnoxious laughter. And finally, Tom gets them to calm down and confirm the positive pregnancy test is, in fact, not, repeat, not, not. hers. Um, Ann tells Andy, you know, hey, Macklin, by process of elimination, it's got to be April. And Andy's like, no, no, this that's ridiculous. Look, she would have told me, but, you know, yeah. look, first of all, we have sex every single day and we <laughs> haven't actually talked to her about it yet. Oh, oh well. my God. <laughs> The light has dawned. Yeah, you see the light bulb go off there. Yeah. Bing. Well, over at JJ's, Leslie is clearly upset about the recall campaign and feeling so unappreciated that even the promise of waffles doesn't seem to be doing it for her. We now cut to the happiest place on earth if you need comfort food. Nope, not Disney World. JJ's Diner. Leslie and Ben are sitting in a booth together with Leslie not even eating. She's just playing with her food. Scraping the plate. Looking miserable. To help Leslie clear her mind, Ben asks her, Do you think this town is better off than it was a year ago? Mm. Leslie responds, yes. Yeah. Do you stand behind everything you've done? Once again, Leslie responds, yes. Ben concludes, then screw them. Leslie asks, well, look. Even if I wanted to fight this recall, how would I do it? And Ben kind of gets a thoughtful look on his face, and we can see a plan formulating in that big, nerdy brain of his. Yeah, I think uh, he he brings her back to Earth here for a second, which she definitely needed and, uh, you know, kind of allowed her. I think he's got a plan, but I think she might be brewing one, too. Hmm. I, I'm a little unclear on, like, who's going to take the lead on this, but I think it might be Ben for a minute. I think at the very least, he gave her a, a nudge that she needed to get out of the the rut of yeah. depression she was in. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Well, later that week, Leslie is having a press conference and she takes the opportunity to address the challenge that has been placed in front of her. Was it later that week? Well, I'm going to assume it's not that day because they change clothes and, you know, it's... Oh, you're better at noticing that. was a that. Friday, right. so it's got to be Monday. I don't I know. I thought maybe they're Parades like, are always on Saturdays. See, I, I had assumed that they just like said, screw it. We're yeah. going to like press conference now, but maybe not. Yeah. Well, she's done that many times, but I don't think so here. Fair enough. All right. So we cut to City Hall uh, where we see Leslie entering a packed press conference room ready to address them with a statement. Harvey, play the clip, please. 
Thank you all for coming. As most of you probably know, there is a large committee that has announced plans to recall me from office. My response to them is this. Bring it on. Step up. Step up to the streets. I'm sorry, my adrenaline is pumping, so all I can think of is dance movie titles. Stop the yard. There's one. Look, I work very hard for this town, as hard as I can, and all that matters to me is whether or not everyone here thinks that they are better off now than they were a year ago. I think you are. If you disagree with me, then go ahead and recall me. Go crazy. You got served. Silver Linings Playbook, kind of. <laughs> the committee says they plan to push for a recall vote within two months. Do you have a comment on that? Nope. Again, all I really care about is, are you better off? I think I'm better off. I haven't had a date in a while, but I'm learning a lot about me. Well, I wasn't asking you specifically, but I'm happy to hear that, Shauna. So, in conclusion, <laughs> recall shmeekal. No, I can't end my big press conference by saying recall shmeekal. It's ridiculous. Ben, can you help me out here? That concludes Councilwoman Nope's press conference, and if you have any further questions, hold on to them, because she has a lot of work to do. Thanks, honey. Honey, it's another dance movie with Jessica Alba. There you go. <laughs> I think she named all of them. Yep. Yeah. Well, back at City Hall, Leslie and some of the gang are preparing to volunteer for Leslie's latest task force, and she has a moment to finally catch up with her bestie. Well, I think, yeah, I think this is the next morning at City Hall, and I don't know if this is a new task force. Well, is this I, the original cleanup, Pawnee? Okay. She t this is a go-to for her, then. Yeah, this is actually a nice uh, circle of life Matuma Matako moment. Um, exactly where, what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hold the thing up. Now I'm hungry again. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we now cut to the next morning. It's the start of the weekend, and we see Leslie in her office with Chris and Anne nearby. All of them are wearing comfortable clothes, you know, like T-shirts and hoodies and jeans, uh, wear, uh, carrying white buckets of cleaning supplies, ready to start their efforts on the volunteer weekend task force. After a few cheerful reassurances regarding her recall fight, Chris leaves the room, smiling, giving Leslie and Anne a few moments to talk. Anne invites Leslie to have a drink with them later. And Leslie asks Anne, hey, how's it going with Chris? And Anne responds, you know what? We're great. We're having a good time. The sex is ridiculous. And hopefully that ridiculous sex will lead to a baby. Well, we'll see what happens, Mark. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, over in the bullpen, a very elated Andy, having eliminated all the other women at the cabin, approaches his wife, April, who is obviously the pregnant one. You know, Mark, process of elimination. Of course. We now cut over to the bullpen, where we see April come inside from the courtyard when Andy meets her excitedly and picks her up in anticipatory celebration. Hey, Harvey, play this one last clip, please. Yeah! My wife is pregnant! Okay, put me down. Hey, you can't keep it from me. I found the pregnancy test, honey. Andy, I'm not pregnant, okay? And if I were, you shouldn't lift me up. Wait, are you sure you're not? Yeah, we've talked about this. Remember? I want to wait until we're 50 and then adopt a set of creepy adult twins from Romania. Yeah, of course. Actually, there is something I need to tell you. <gasps> you're pregnant! No! No, we just ruled that out! Okay, a while ago I applied to veterinary school in Bloomington and I just found out that I got in. You did? That's amazing! Wait, why did you wait to tell me? Because I don't even know if I want to go, okay? I mean, yes, it's been my dream to work with animals since I was a kid and everything, but it would mean I'd be spending a lot of time apart from you and... Oh, we could get through that. I mean, look, it, it would suck for a while and I would miss you while you're gone, but... As I've known about you 
for the past 20 seconds. <laughs> this is your dream. I'm really glad I married you. Yeah, we made a good call on that one. <laughs> I got to say, I feel a little bit like Andy here. I've known about this for about 20 seconds. I, I think that they laid the groundwork for how much she loves animals in, in a lot That's of prior true. episodes. That, they um, have. That's fair. I think this is a great example of the quintessential definition of sweet, stupid Andy. Yeah. Very stupid in a funny way. Yeah. Very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, he hits that nail on the head in this episode for sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, back at the law firm of, uh, Mark, I'm going to call this Nelson Nygaard and Nitherton. Yes. Yeah, because we we really don't know the name. Uh, Tom makes his decision known, and at this point, there's no going back. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first here. We cut to the fancy conference room of Nelson Nygaard and Nitherton. Not going to work here anymore. You know, it's not the psychologist Nygaard. It's his brother. Oh, yeah. Clearly. Yeah. The attorney. No, of that Nygaard. Yeah, of, of the Nygaards. Nygaards. Okay, <laughs> so Tom is there talking with Trevor Nelson and, and the lawyer, and Tom tells him he has decided not to sell Rent-A-Swag. Mm. And Trevor informs Tom that his client, who is still anonymous, will be executing his plan B, which is to open his own store directly across the street from Rent-A-Swag named... <gasps> Tommy's Closet, oh my God. high-end secondhand clothing store where parents can rent clothes for teens, tweens, pre's, babies, toddlers, grown-up, and olds. That's what we call them. Olds. olds. Although Tom respects this as a baller move, as he calls it, it's still pretty upsetting to him. Well, sure it is. Yeah. I mean, copying your idea and doing, trying to do it better right across your street from you, that's pretty low, actually. I love the end of the scene, too. Is like, yeah, it's a pretty baller move. Are you sure it's not Diddy? Trevor kind of leans in. He looks to the left, looks to the right. It is Diddy. I knew it. It's not Diddy. <laughs> he just has to screw with them. <laughs> and we enjoyed it. Yeah. So, Well, Mark, finally in the kicker, Andy and Ron have a late night chat before heading home and they have a chance to catch up as well. Yeah. For our final scene, we cut to City Hall, where Andy is sitting with Ron in his office, asking his opinion regarding April going away to vet school. And Ron reassures Andy things will be fine. Andy concedes, well, maybe change is a good thing. Surprisingly, Ron disagrees, or maybe unsurprisingly. Unsurprisingly, yeah. for For Ron, whether or not he's the same year after year is actually his personal yardstick of success. And all of a sudden, Andy remembers, oh my gosh, the big mystery they haven't solved yet. Who the hell is pregnant? Ron is confused, so Andy explains, look, I found this positive pregnancy test at the cabin. and I've asked around and none of the women are pregnant. So, and just then, right on cue, Diane Lewis walks into Ron's office, asks if they can talk somewhere in private. Andy puts two and two together and does maybe the <laughs> biggest yeah. mug to the camera of the entire series. So Fair. much so that this scene has become a famous internet meme. It sure has. Fade to black. Fade to black. All right. Well, nice job on the breakdown, Mark. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll we'll chat a little bit, uh, and then we'll come back. We'll give scores, and we'll send everybody home. Do it to it, my dudes. All right. We'll be right back with our scubers, everybody. Yeah. Are you in the mood for heaping plates of outstanding breakfast food? 
If not, then I wish you a good day as I have nothing else to discuss with you and I quite frankly don't understand you. However, if the answer is yes, then JJ's Diner is the place for you. Hello, this is Ron Swanson, a staple for the citizens of Pawnee since its opening in 1976. JJ's Diner is owned by the great JJ Lipscomb and is located at 122 Sunderland between Tramp Stamp Tattoos and the Chlorotech Cadmium Refinery. Some have said that JJ's Diner is the meeting place for Pawnee's political elite. I don't know exactly what that means and I still somehow hope that is inaccurate. However, I do know that JJ's Diner is open 24 hours a day and that breakfast food is the only food I need at any of those 24 hours. My employee Leslie enjoys the waffles and whipped cream. I prefer large helpings of bacon and eggs, like most self-respecting people. Be sure to visit JJ's Diner often, preferably when I am not there. Tell them Ron sent you, and receive a free JJ's refrigerator magnet with your order of the Ron Special. A heaping portion of bacon and eggs, accompanied by a delicious side order of eggs and bacon, smothered in sausage and sausage gravy. Mmm. Uh, <clears throat> thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, uh, you know, we could probably take 20 minutes to talk about the 10 minutes and 19 seconds worth of deleted scenes. Yes. That's right. I said 10 minutes worth. Well, yeah, I think maybe one other time we've seen this many deleted scenes. It's been a minute, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I thought these were all absolutely outstanding. And I think you've teased this in some I of our, our prior uh, podcasts. But, I mean, usually our typical response, or mine at least, is, yeah, these were funny enough, but, you know, we they made the right choices. Like, these were probably the weakest links in the chain, so to speak. Blah, I don't blah, think blah. that's true. But these, the, in at least in, in my opinion, these were all out, outstanding. I mean, I don't think there was a stinker in the bunch. Not really. Watching the deleted scenes was nearly as much fun as watching the canon episode and nearly well, as Well, it's long. half the length. Right, right. I, I really, 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 really wish that they had made a producer's cut out of this. And I'm kind of wondering Sacklinson. if we shouldn't push forward with our project to Frankenstein something together. I love the idea. I think if we can squeeze it in somehow, and maybe we do that like at the end of season five before, you know, oh, wait, that's now. Never oh, mind. Oh, damn it. We'll see. We'll right. see. But if we ever do it, this is a, an ideal candidate for sure because oh, the, the material's good. Oh, it's so good. And coming up with five, seven more minutes worth in the right order would be pretty easy because several of these are extensions of existing scenes. So yes. it wouldn't even be that hard, honestly. Right. You just yeah. replace one with the other. Yeah, even I could edit that. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Mark, I did want to play one quick, uh, one of the scenes really quick. Which one? This is uh, actually, it's a little bit of an extended cut where Andy has finally accepted that it has to be April. And then he immediately goes into this little rant about possible kid names. Oh, I thought this was worth one. a play. Yes. All right. Please the, do. The, uh, Constantine, uh, could you tee this up for us, please? Well, he's not going to do that. Harvey's here. Harvey's here today? Yeah. Oh, yep. why didn't you tell me that? I, I like it when he's mad at you because on account of that. Yeah, it's happening right now, as a matter of fact. It sure is. Yeah, here we go. Indiana would be kind of a cool name. Andrew, Andy, Randy. Anything that has Andy on it. Braveheart, <laughs> Spider Boy, Lucas Oil Stadium Dwyer, Iron Man 2 Dwyer, Hot Lava Dwyer, 
Chris with a Q. Fart Blossom, the kid formerly known as the Indianapolis Colt. Shoe, but I don't know if it's a boy. I haven't really put any thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good, good stuff there. Yeah. And uh, even more Marvel references because we wouldn't be complete without them. Yeah. Yeah. Funny stuff. Well, hey, Mark, why don't we get into tropes first and fun facts and then we'll do our scores. Don't forget first. I said tropes first and fun facts. Oh, well, don't forget goofs. And goofs and something else. I yeah. don't know. Don't forget all the good stuff we do that we never forget. Never, all right. Never. All right. So first, I, I actually didn't have a lot of first. Um, I said that Leslie knew, but the gang did not know until now where exactly the geolocation of the Swanson cabin was. That's true. Leslie's been there before. Yes. But yes. she ratted it out here. I think she must have. No. Um, and I said we are also first introduced in this episode to even the possibility of a note recall. That's good. Those are good. That's all I had. I, I only had two in addition to that. I guess technically three. Um, you know, in the parade, we see the Pawnee Farm Club banner. Oh, yeah. First time we've ever seen anything like that. And I took a little bit of umbrage to several people in overalls, you know. I mean, we're rural in places, but I don't know. Either way. Yeah. I did have a – I met a guy when I was in college. He was from New York and I'm from Indiana, obviously. And I'm from Indianapolis, which is a relatively big city. And I thought most people knew that. Well, yeah. But uh, he asked me if I had like livestock and chickens and stuff. I'm like, dude, like there's a – Did you yeah. tell him up your butt? <laughs> I, I wanted to. Yeah. I'm like, there's a racetrack, you know, five feet behind my house with a million people come to every year. Do, do you race goats? Good question. <laughs> anyway, my other two first were I said, uh, Papa Ron, you know, first time the idea of Ron being a dad's ever been introduced. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. kind of interesting. And uh, I said, it's the, you know, the um, the first entire sequence that's been shot in Pasadena, other than our establishing shot we got of the city hall. We got an establishing shot of the, uh, the you know, the administration building where mm -hmm. the Tammy's office is. And we had that one quick walkway uh, scene where they walk between the two buildings. But this whole parade is actually shot in Pasadena in front of that building. I thought that was kind of interesting. Interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Nice. And having made my my uh, my uh, trip there to the Mecca last year. Yeah. It was, it was uh, I was like, hey, I stood on that corner. It's kind of cool. I know that place. Yeah. So anyway, uh, how about tropes and uh, those things? Uh, I said uh, PBJ. Jerry's only back briefly, but enough for everyone to. He PBJ'd himself almost. Yeah, everyone's got to give him grief because he's not there very long, so they got to jump on it. You yeah. know, yes. when he's trying to give Tom advice. Um, I said uh, BMF Burt Macklin FBI. Nice. Just because it's like it's a it's a he's a trope of himself. He is. Like. Um, I said uh, CP. Crazy Pawnians mm -hmm. during both the public forum and the parade. Yeah. Uh, LWL, lousy oh, with lurpuses, as we one. hear yeah. from Herman and Bjorn and Dennis. Yeah. Um, uh, Sweet Stupid Andy, as we, we've already talked about. Yeah. Um, LLBB, Leslie loves Ben's butt. <laughs> and his calves, apparently. Well, that's deleted. Oh, you're right. That was a deleted scene. Yeah. If you get the DVDs, uh, there's a whole thing where, you know, not only is she infatuated with his butt, but apparently he has really nice calves. Well, she even goes even farther. She goes, your butt's old news. Now it's all about the calves. I'm My like, God. Really? <laughs> Doesn't she buy him like a pair of like capri pants to oh, yeah. show his calves off? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and, and he even says, I feel like I'm being a little bit sexualized. She's like, shut up and put them on and walk in front of me. <laughs> like She's, she's <laughs> just brazen about it. You know, um, Amy Poehler had fun with that. 
OCC, overly cheerful Chris. Yeah. And then, you know, MTC mugs to the camera. I know Ben did it. I think maybe one other person did it, but then definitely Andy with the biggest one. Huge. Maybe in the series at mm. the very tail end. Yeah, that's a good one. What I miss? Well, I actually, I, I'm going to, I kind of like last week, I feel like I did this to you too. Sorry. Um, yes, it was a Andy mug, but I'm actually going to reclassify it. The Andy OMG. Oh, yeah. Because I like that. Yeah, because in the way that Tom does the OMG, yeah. it, yeah, was it was a, and, and it really has mouth, been a meme. His mouth was open far enough. You could fly oh, yeah. a plane in there. <laughs> and back. So yes. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I came up with a new one this week. Mm. Uh, Malig, uh, M-L-I-G. Mona Lisa is gross. Mm, that's a great one. Continuing theme now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like this one. LCP, Leslie celebrates prematurely. Oh, yeah. She definitely did. Her, her victory lap, which I'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. I'm sure you might too. Um, and related cousin of uh, LCP is LBIOH, Leslie brings it on herself. Yeah, I can see that. And, That's uh, a good one. Yeah, because I think that has definitely happened. You could argue it's happened a couple of times. Um, and then um, I actually had one with a question mark I wanted to ask you about. But my last one here, um, I said... Uh, FDA, Food Driven Andy. Which, uh, oh, because he, because uh, he, he, Ann is welcomed into the FBI because right. now he can eat all the burgers he wants. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I, I think that qualifies. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You're very, very kind. <laughs> How about goofs or fun facts? I was the light here this week. I had one goof and okay. it's just simply that. And this in no way affected my enjoyment of the of the episode. I just thought it was interesting. And I, and I wasn't even aware of this, honestly. The Indiana Constitution does not allow for recall elections. Oh, interesting. Um, so that's it. That's um, very interesting. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I knew that. Um, did you have any? Nope, I didn't have any this week. Nice. Yeah. So, and uh, again, no director's commentary. I really miss those. Like, I would love I to have too. one. Here's what I will say. When we did have them, I kind of always remember going, I wish they'd do more with this because it is mostly them just shooting the, you know what, shooting the breeze, right. I guess, right. uh, which is a family friendly way of saying it. And uh, which is always entertaining, but not yeah. insightful necessarily. I agree. It's not like they're giving us really privy details yeah. about the episode. Right. Mainly it was them just cracking up. Like, yeah. remember this, you couldn't stop laughing or, you know, whatever. I still, still like fun. Them. I still liked them. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mark, uh, so you got one goof. I had none. How about fun facts? I had a, a few uh, fun facts. Um, when, uh, you remember when Tom was telling his uh, investors when they were outside in the courtyard, you know, like, hey, I got an offer. Should I sell? Should oh, yeah, I yeah. Sell? Well, you remember how Jerry starts to give some advice and they all like, shut up. Shut up, you know, Jerry. They tell him to, to clam it. Do you notice April calls him Gary? Did she really? Yeah. Oh, I missed that one. Just just interesting. It's a, it's a fun fact. It is a fun. Oh, my God. That's a great name for this. <laughs> Another fun fact, or actually, freeze frame fun. The multiple alliteration. All right. This also involves April. All right. But at the beginning of the episode, they're at the Swanson Cabin geolocation now disclosed. Okay. Um, only 57 seconds into it for you at home who want to look at this. After Donna talks about her apartment in Seattle, the camera quickly pans back over and there is an extremely brief shot of April making a funny face and sticking her tongue out to the camera while she's eating, I think, chips or something. It's so bizarre. I wasn't sure what I saw at first, but it's kind of funny. Please hold. You're going to need to make that bigger. It's hard to see. 
<laughs> Here, I'll, uh, I'll move this over for you so you can see the whole thing. Um, yeah, so what Mark's referring to is, and we, we got, our version has subtitles, so it's even harder to see, but April's bottom left of the frame, <laughs> she, she is clearly making eye contact with the cameraman and she's eating chips and sticking her tongue out. Right. right. That's terrific. I love it. I mean, and if you are looking for it, it's like maybe oh, a tenth of a second. Maybe. But if you're doing freeze frame yeah. fun, you can see it very fun. Well, because there, there's a basically a, a whip a whip, uh, a whip, whip pan happening yeah, at that a point. Whip pan. A whip pan. That's what we call it in the biz. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's so you catch it if you can, but uh, it is funny. Yeah. What else so, you have, Mark? Fun fact number two. Oh, uh, good. For, uh, and then I just had, I had a couple of. Yeah, tangential West Wing related fun facts. So right, one is I love those. Um, Chris offers to Leslie that he's willing to write any speeches or testimonials, et cetera, for, for Leslie that she might need for her recall campaign. This is a nice tip of the hat to Rob Lowe's stint on the West Wing where he played Sam Seaborn, speechwriter for President Bartlett. Oh, nice. And the other thing is um, we also see in... This may have been in the deleted scenes now that I think about this. That's okay. We, we see Andy as Burt Macklin don his jacket in the same way that President Bartlett does on the he West does. Wing. Was that deleted scenes? That's in the deleted scenes. All right. I screwed that yeah. up. Yeah. He wants it done in slow motion because he thinks it's going to look cool. Yeah. yeah. That was in the and deleted scenes. It scene. does look it cool. It does look cool. Yeah. yeah. It is a Bartlett moment for <laughs> sure, though. Anyway, that's all I had. Those are good. I, you know me, Mark. I'm a sucker for West Wing uh, stuff and uh, especially the tie ins between the, my two favorite political shows. Yeah. You so are a sucker. I am a sucker. Yeah. That's what the kids say. Yeah. Well, and everyone else. Mark, let's get into our scores. Scoring incoming. All right. My, I had co-MVPs for this episode, but it's a little unorthodox. Uh, Tell for, me more. For, I will. Uh, first, I was just so enamored by Burt Macklin FBI. I wanted to give one of them to Chris Pratt. Okay. I thought he was great in this episode. The other one I wanted to give to the background cast of recurring characters, a.k.a. the Crazy Pawneeans, because there was a slew of them. And for me, it really helped the episode pop. I I, I shall elaborate. There were several good candidates in this episode. I, I, I mean, this was a great episode, but Andy was en fuego. Um, yeah. th this might sound dumb, but I was genuinely surprised at how excited I was at the unexpected return of Burt Macklin. I'd forgotten. Yeah, me too. Andy's alter ego is ridiculous and insane, and I absolutely love it. I also love how at a certain point, Anne just gives in to the crazy alter ego fantasy. Oh boy, what do you want, Macklin? <laughs> this cracked me up. Um, I also think Macklin made the perfect vehicle to take us through this pseudo mystery of who was pregnant. It was a good vehicle for that. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. yeah. And, and regarding the, 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 the other of the co-MVPs, so Alan, we've said this many times before, but it bears repeating. Parks and Rec is one of the best at leveraging its own universe, its own settings, its characters, its quirks, and springboarding off of them into other directions. And this was no exception. You have what seems like an endless line of characters who speak regarding Leslie's actions, not all of them against, um, but all of who were explicitly in prior episodes. Now you have uh, Catherine Pinewood of the Pawnee Restaurant Association, yeah. Shauna Mulway Tweep, reporter for the Pawnee Journal, uh, Deputy Dewey from the Sanitation Department, the uh, husband and wife team of Marsha and Marshall, Langman for girl. the Society for the Family of Stability Foundation, SFSF. <laughs> you have porn star Brandy Max, 
Star of such films as Too Big to Nail, The Incredible Burt Wonderbone, A Good Guy to Lay Hard, and Argo, <laughs> the actual movie. Well, porn versions Argo. Uh. It's also good. First many seconds are. Um, Harrison Brett, the stoners who previously worked for the Animal Control yeah. Department. Uh, uh, Wilson Gromling of the Liberty or Die Party. Oh, yeah. We saw we haven't in, seen uh, Wilson in a while, yeah. Season 5, Episode 16, Bailout. Um, several members of the sprawling and largely powerless Lurpus dynasty present in Pawnee, including Bjorn Lurpus, who works at home and wanted a Ponchburger built on the lot next to his house. Yeah. Dennis Lurpus, Dennis, who yeah. owns the Pawnee Video Dome and is now a thriving porn shop. Yeah. And Herman Lurpus, owner of the Pawnee Pawn Shop and lover of nitrous. Um, <laughs> as porn. per usual, this shows a remarkable attention to detail. I forgot one. I did. Ken Hotate. And Ken Jonathan Hotate, Josh. who was uh, only in the deleted scenes. Now, he's actually visible. You do see him on screen really? in the canon episode, but no lines, unfortunately. Ah. And that's what made me hope at that point. I'm like, gosh, I hope he's in the deleted scenes because uh, we're actually talking to him at the moment a little yeah. bit behind the scenes. And uh, he's definitely in the deleted scene. I was sad that one got cut, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah me too. Me too. But yeah, you know, this shows a remarkable attention to detail. Many of these characters, speaking of which, are given uh, funny but ultimately throwaway lines. But having them simply in the background, I think, serves to solidify the solidity and seeming realness yeah. of this obviously fictitious town. Yep. Once again, I'll use the tired old adage. It's like a real life Springfield from The Simpsons. It makes paying attention to the little details of this show incredibly rewarding. So that's that's kind of why I wanted to give it as the other leg of the co-MVP. Yeah, I love that. Thing. That's great. Um, so, Alan, I thought this was a really good season finale. With nearly all that seemed to be setting up uh, story arcs and plot points that they can dive into with season six, including uh, Leslie potentially getting kicked out of office. Ron and Diane potentially having a baby, Chris and Anne trying to have a baby, Tom taking on some rich copycat wannabe with a rent-a-swag knockoff called Tommy's Closet, uh, April heading off to vet school in Bloomington. I will say, if Ron and Diane do end up having this baby, if it's a girl, please, please, Ron, do not call it Tammy 3. <laughs> if it's a boy... I wonder if an ultrasound is done on Diane Lewis. Would it just show a big mustache in her belly? <laughs> Probably not. Probably I don't, I don't not. know a lot about science, so <laughs> no, maybe not. No. Um, I love that. I actually think this is one of the better solve the mystery episodes that they've had. Yeah. Maybe only second to the Greg Pakaitis episode in oh, season two. I think that one may still be my favorite because it's the better one. It, it's slightly better. And you get that really cool payoff where we see what happened after the scene. Like I think the Greg Pakaitis one was flawlessly calculated. This one was good, maybe mainly due to crafty misleads. Yeah, there's some misleads. Pratt did a good job bringing us through it as, you know, again, we were really happy to see Burt Macklin back. Right. I agree. I think so. You think you're right. Uh, and once again, I, he's done this before. He did it in this episode. I adore how Ben serves as Leslie's compass. If yeah. if not from a moral perspective, at least from a political perspective, which actually, which I would argue for Leslie, there's some overlap there. Um when Leslie gets frazzled, Ben is there to give her a small nudge in the right direction. And is as is often the case, that's all she needs to right the cart and get back on track. And of course, we have established countless times in the past, JJ's Diner is the unofficial meeting place for Pawnee's political of course it elite. Is. Yeah. Um, 
as surprised as I am to hear myself say this, I like what they've done with Tom as well. Like his journey has become a satisfying one. Maybe especially because I used to dislike him and his self-centered antics so much. And now that he's successful and he's becoming a responsible adult, he's having reactions to issues that actually make sense. Eh, I like this guy. Okay. Or at least parts of him, you know, which is still an improvement. I think thematically, I also appreciate how this season has come full circle for Leslie in the sense that here at the season finale, and we talked about this, yeah. we find Leslie still making her weekend efforts to clean up the Pawnee River, an initiative that began in the season premiere where we saw her pull a good idea from what initially seemed like defeat. That's true. I like that. Interesting. I am warming to the Chris Ann thing. I still really wish they had spent some time pursuing uh, them getting to where they are now from where they used to yeah, be. Yeah, we made that I, point. I feel like it would have felt ago. more natural. Yep. And I, actually, I have something that I'd like to read later on pertaining to that. Okay. All right. Um, um, small nitpick. I would say... I would say not the best use of the comedic bench, maybe. It, it felt like April... And uh, Donna and Ron were barely there. Um, Not bad. Not horrible. But just, I mean, you've said it so well, Alan. Like, you you got a limited amount of time. You have that many crazy Pawneeans, which one of my co-MVPs. The time's got to come from somewhere. So, you know, uh, I I would include Jerry in this if, you know, a very short amount of time. But at least his absence is plot-related and explainable. Yes, but it doesn't make it less disappointing. I suppose so. Well, anyway, um, on to the crazy, crazy Mark Rubric. All right. Base score, five. Wow. I thought all three stories absolutely hit with me. I thought they were all three interesting. I was engaged in all three of them. I wanted to know what would happen with all three of them. And their outcomes all have heavy plot relevance for the future. I'm going to give a half point for my episode co-MVP, Chris Pratt as Andy Dwyer. I'm going to give another half point for my collective uh, episode co-MVPs, the Crazy Pawneeans. Um, I'm going to give a, a half point for a nice, long uh, list of guest stars, uh, just some of which are uh, Mary Faber, Catherine Pinewood, Lucy Lawless, Diane Lewis, Jason Schwartzman as Dennis Lerpus, Richard Birch as Herman Lerpus, Ben Schwartz as John Ralphio, Jenny Slate, Mona Lisa, Allison Becker as Shauna Moe Tweep, Mar Marini as Brandy Max, Darlene Hunt, Marsha Langman, Todd Sherry, Marshall Langman... <gasps> And although they didn't have any lines in the canon episode, Harris Whittles as Harris, Colton Dunn as Brett, Jonathan Joss as Ken Hotate. And then there were even more in the deleted scenes that uh, I won't go into that So because I'm out of breath. Anyway, for all that stuff I just said, half point for that. So sorry for that. All right. I'm going to give a whole point for what I called the bookend combo. A great cold open with the gang at the Swanson cabin and a great kicker with the reveal of who was actually pregnant and the greatest mug to the camera moment of the series. I'm going to give half a point for what I call the alter ego combo. Burt Macklin returning was an unexpected surprise, which I think really made this episode pop. I'm going to give half a point for what I call the rent-a-swag combo. Even though it was the smallest storyline, I still like Tom's journey and I appreciate the decisions that the character had to make. I'm going to give half point for what I call the perseverance combo, showing Leslie get very rattled, but ultimately have her back on the right track with a little nudge from Ben, which just seems right. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm going to give one final half point for what I call the whodunit combo. I thought it was a nice job establishing maybe the greatest mystery episode since the Greg Bakaitis episode in season two. So you add all of those crazy mark points up and you get 9.5 Little Sebastians. This was a great season finale. It was a good enough season finale that I found myself asking myself the question, is this a 10? Even though I came to the conclusion that no, for me, it's not a 10, it's a really, really good episode, and I have no shame at all giving it a 9.5. So, Alan, that's my review. Fight me. Or <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, uh, rock that scuba. Yeah. Well, let's fight. All right. No, no, no. Um, here, I'll do my MVPs first, because I almost forgot last week. <laughs> you saved me for myself, so thank you for that. <laughs> Um, my MVPs, I did Co as well. Um, similar to yours, but slightly different. I did Chris Pratt, mm -hmm. which obvious reasons, and we can talk a little more about that. And then Amy Poehler. Okay. So those that was my MVP. I love what you did though with the uh, kind of the background cast. Yeah. You know, it, it immediately drew to mind. It's funny you mentioned Springfield later because I was when I say background cast, I was imagine that huge picture of all the background cast in The Simpsons. Yeah. It's enormous. It's enormous. I love that. It is. And Parks and Rec and Pawnee is not that different than Springfield in that regard. Yeah. I yeah. Agree. I think you made that point well. So uh, I don't know if we got a good slushy machine, but that may be all we're missing. <laughs> Come again. <laughs> um, I. Here's, do you want me to start with the good stuff or the nitpicks? Yeah, I, let me start with the good stuff. I'll start with the good stuff. That, that's always better. Um, I, I love the Leslie Ben support here. I think I wanted more of it, but outside of that, I guess I kind of, sorry, I'm mixing the two now. No, my gripes. Right. But But I, I did like it. I just wanted a little more of it. But what was there was very satisfying and natural and well-written. And, you know, I think probably we see Leslie support Ben more than we see, excuse me, we see Ben su support Leslie more than we get a chance to see Leslie support Ben. Yeah. That's the other thing I wish happened more because she would and does. Oh, sure. But, um, you know. This is shows about Leslie. I don't think the, the nature of what Ben does leads him to get as rattled about things as Leslie because yeah. it's not as the stakes aren't quite as high. No, but when Ben goes off the rails, he goes off the rails pretty good and funny. Oh, yeah. Crying oh, Batman, you know, uh, sad claymation. I mean, those are oh, some of my Manic favorites. Ben is one of my favorites. He's kind of crazy. I yeah. love him. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, the. Uh, the, the tropes, the, you know, the, the background scenes, the places, certainly all of the characters, uh, the rhythm of the show, this episode had all of those in all the right places. And it makes the show not only feel real, but comfortable in a place I want to come back to. Right. Right. And so I felt like we hadn't been there in a minute, uh, especially last week and some other weeks in season five. It was nice to end the season there, you know, with that feeling. Yeah. Um, I thought the episode was well balanced between especially the C story, maybe not as much, but the A and the B were done well and didn't fight each other. And I, you almost, not quite. I mean, obviously because of what's important, you could never call Andy's story, you know, the A story, but in terms of how much screen time it got, how well they executed it and how it came across to support and make the episode funny and enjoyable. I think it did balance pretty well with the A story. Right. C story, again, not as much, but I did, I do like with you, like you said, I like this, Tom. I think that was such a low bar. It probably wasn't, it isn't shocking that we like him more now, but I, I'm enjoying his storyline. Yeah. And I'm interested to see where it goes. I mean, you kind of mentioned all the arcs they set up for season six. Um, 
you think they did that on purpose? No, of course they did that on purpose. And, and you know, they, you're right. I mean, any one or two of those could have, you know, almost really set up the whole season, but we've got like five of them and they're all got relatively meaty potential. So yeah. I'm anxious to get back to season six and remember what they did with that. Me too. Yeah. Um, I, here's my nitpicks then. Okay. Um, pretty good bench. I'm with you there. I didn't feel like there was any one like guest star. It was certainly the collection of the guest stars, which I would not give up here. Uh, and I would, like we said, we were a little disappointed. We didn't see more of those. Mm -hmm. um, I'll talk about, about that as my last nitpick, but I thought the episode was very well written, but missed some opportunities. Um, I was a little, I think Ron took a step backward in character growth in this episode. Um, you know, basically, you know, I don't like change. I like things to stay the same. You know, that's how I measure success. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, and, and, but earlier this season, in fact, I'm certain it was season five, and you'll probably remember the episode. We got to the point where Ron realized that change was actually a good thing. And without it, you wouldn't have Diane and the kids. So he kind of went back on, to his original Ron. He flip flopped on himself a little bit here. And I, if this had happened earlier in the season, I think it just basically took back the growth we thought we were seeing in Ron. And he became kind of a little bit one-dimensional because of it. Yeah, you know what? I would agree with that. I mean, there, there, I I can't remember which episode this was now that you say it, but it was it was the Halloween episode where so. Diane yeah. asked Ron to go with yeah. the and, she, and he made them cry. And then he didn't mean to, but he, right. but he did. And right. she's like, what the hell? And yeah. then he has to keep, he eats crow yeah. as well he should yeah. and says, I'm really sorry. I'm not used to this. Give me a chance. I'd like to make this work. That's change. And it was earnest. And, and he change. meant it. Yeah, it was great change. Yeah. And so I would have liked to have seen them maybe just go a little, I guess not do a full rebound. And of course, maybe by season six, we'll forget he even said that today. So Right. Um, I felt like maybe because I got exposed to the deleted scenes, maybe if I hadn't seen them, I wouldn't feel this way. That it, the episode felt rushed to me. Mm -hmm. nah, I, no, I'll say it. I think the A story felt rushed. The B story was just right. And the C story was too small. Like for me to be happy, happy, happy um, across all three storylines. And I, I really, 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 is, you know, wanted a producer's cut here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they've done bonus episodes that are canon. Why couldn't they do one here? I, I'll say this. Of all the episodes that we've reviewed since we started to do this podcast, this episode right here is officially my number one pick for saying, please, we need a producer spot yeah. for it. Yeah. And, and maybe they'll, they'll, they'll do one of those on Peacock one of these days. We have yet to see that, though. I'll go as far as to say if this has been a producer cut with that, I think I would have given it a 10. That's where I'm headed. So and um, and, and for me. It wasn't a nine and a half to 10 swing. It's a nine to 10 swing. Wow. So I'm giving this nine little Sebastians this week. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to give it nine and a half, but my nitpicks added up to too much. I love the episode though. I thought it was a great episode. I just think it could have been better and that's what frustrated me. And so that's why I'm going to get my vengeance by giving it a nine. I think you I think you made a great point that I, I think I clocked it, but I hadn't thought about it as much as you verbalized it. I like your point about Ron. It I hit have, me kind of hard. I don't know I why. Have to yeah. admit, it does seem, well, especially because. His, you said he was underused and I do agree with that, but I think yeah. this plus that. Eh. I Yeah. 
I, I, I think that it, it takes away from a lot of the growth that we've seen him have. Um, and because, I mean, he's better off with Diane and the kids oh in God. his life. Yes. And, and so that's almost like a slap in the face to them. Yeah. Which, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I love the tropes of Ron and, you know, I don't like that I know you people this well and right, that you right, know where right. I live. That's great. Right, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. That, that should never change. But I think we, well, we've made our point to death here. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I tell you what, I actually have something I had alluded to this earlier. Uh, I have uh, something I'd like to read if you don't mind and maybe take like a minute or so. Yeah, go for it. There is something I wanted to reference from an interview that Alan Sepinwall had with Mike Schur on May 2nd, 2013. Okay. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen that's listening to this, this is not our content. If yeah. you want to see the original content, open your browser and search engine of choice. <laughs> Type in Uprox, U-P-R-O-X-X. Uprox, Mike Shore, Season 5 Renewal. Nice. And it should it, come up as the first hit. And we've talked, Alan, we've we've referenced his stuff before. Yes, we have. He, he did really great commentary on the show. Absolutely. And he's interviewed Mike Shore before yeah. as well. Yeah. So the, it's a good interview. If you look for it, I would encourage anybody who's interested to go there and read it for yourself. It's not it's not going to take hours or anything. It's a pretty quick read. And I'm not going to read through all of it. But there are two parts in it that I thought were interesting, given uh, some of our past discussions, Alan. And I wanted to read them here. OK, go for it. So the first part is Alan Sepinwall asks, how did the pitch come about for Diane to be pregnant? And how much have you guys already thought about the combination mm. of Ron Swanson plus baby? Mike, sure. There were a lot of ways we could have gone. All of the women on the show were strong candidates to end the year pregnant, but we felt like the most fun version, all things considered, was Ron and Diane. From there, it was just about laying in the misleads starting several episodes ago, like Ann and Chris were already trying. Yep. And then we did an episode where Leslie's talking to Ben, where she's like, we maybe she's thinking about starting yep. a family. Yep. And and Mona Lisa just seems like a disaster ready, waiting to happen in her own right. <laughs> and then we used April's secret plan to become a vet as a, as a kind of a mislead. And I've said this before, but I think in this day and age, surprise is the ultimate weapon for comedies. Mm -hmm. If we're going to get someone pregnant in the finale, which is a tried and true TV convention, I wanted the story to include like seven different fake outs. So I thought that was a pretty good response. by That's great. The second part of the interview was um, Alan Sepinwall says, speaking of babies, when Anne's story arc started out in Anne's decision, ah. she seemed to be looking for little more than a sperm donor. Right. But when Chris came into the picture, it was just treated as fact that he'd be involved in raising the baby. Thank you. Was there anything written or pitched about that issue that got dropped along the way? Or did you just feel that because it's Chris who has a history with Anne, it didn't need to be discussed? Great question. Mike Shore. At one point, we were going to get more in depth about the difference between a sperm donor and a deeper partnership. And it was a story point that Chris would only do it if he could be a more involved co-parent. I love that. At the end of the day, we felt like it was obvious. Anne would naturally want that too if she chose Chris. So it didn't seem necessary to make that explicit. I, I don't disagree, but at the same time, I, uh, maybe it's just lost opportunity disappointment. That's exactly yeah. where I landed. Yeah. I get what Mike Schur is saying yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. I don't wrong. disagree. And I and I like a little bit of an explanation for something that we've yeah. been sort of vocal on that's kind of bugged us. <clears throat> I agree with you, though. I think I think it's it's rich fodder for 
comedy, but also just interesting character development. And it's again, it's just it's too bad. It's a missed opportunity. And, and I'll you know what? I'll go even farther than that. Without that, I felt like the the juxtaposition was a little jarring. Yeah, I do too. Um, so not meant as a criticism exactly, just saying that's how it came across. Would have been great if you couldn't have entered into it. But I understand Mike Schur's point. I do too. I just think I, like you do, you know, we got a little bit of nuance at one point where you could see that Chris was thinking, oh, Anne's kind of cool after all, yeah. right? Because he, you know, he had come down pretty hard in the past that she wasn't the right gal for him. Right. So we got that. And then the next thing he's like full on co-parenting. Right. So again, I, I, again, another point we've made to death today, right. but missed opportunity. Yeah. 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 I like that. Thanks for sharing that, Mark. Absolutely. I think that was uh, not only timely, but really good way to cap off this episode. Thank you. Well, Mark, that's season five. Like we're done. Like, Holy crap and a crap crap. I felt like this was going to be a long one and it got to be honest, it felt a little long. Enjoyed it, yeah. but 22 episodes, you know, you don't see that anymore. I mean, nope. we're all used to these, you know, kind of first it was cable and now it's streaming services, you know, 10, 11 episodes is a lot these days. 22 episodes is an amazing accomplishment oh, yeah. um, to do. And, you know, it, the the network shows, they're not gone, but they are going away. They're fading out. Right, right. I, I so the ones that are out there and still good are amazing. Watch Abbott Elementary, everybody. So. <laughs> That's my plug today. And now I think we only have, if I'm counting right, like 35 episodes that left. That sounds right. We're like done, done. Yeah, I think we've got 22 in season six. Right. And then 13, if I recall, in season seven. I suppose, to be to be fair, depending uh, on how you're yes, counting a couple of them. London. a couple of them are double-sized yeah, episodes. Are. Two but of them you know are, what? I, think, yeah. I, I go with that, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of that, we will be back next time with London part one. Yep. And maybe part two. We're still working out the details on that. Yes, yes. Well it said. looks beefy enough that we might spread that one over two weeks. So. We may very well do that. Yeah. So either way, thank you for being with us. We really appreciate you listening and watching at home because we know you do that too somehow. Yes, of course. I don't know how, but I know you it's do. Magic. That's magic. Uh, hit us up on the socials. Please go out to Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. Thank you for listening. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. The cut. Take two. Mark. Well, Mark, back at the public forum. I really want to read you what's here, but... Go ahead. It says, back at the public forum, then comes to flashlights defense. <laughs> I don't even know what it was supposed to say now. I have to assume you're doing voice to text. On the treadmill. I, oh, my <laughs> it didn't God. didn't go well. It, my gosh. If you're typing this and then you went perfect, yeah, <laughs> then there's a problem. <laughs> at least I can blame the treadmill noise, I guess. Oh, <laughs> Alan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>